August 21st was National Fentanyl Prevention and Awareness Day, a holiday meant to increase awareness and decrease demand for fentanyl. This comes as the United States continues to be racked by the opioid epidemic. We've entered the crisis's third wave, which is defined by significant increases in overdose deaths involving synthetic opioids made with fentanyl. The market for illicitly manufactured fentanyl continues to evolve, found in new and different drugs all the time, thus becoming deadlier and more difficult to combat. The numbers speak to the danger of this epidemic. According to the CDC, drug overdose deaths increased by nearly 5% from 2018 to 2019 and have quadrupled since 1991. Over 70% of the 70,630 deaths in 2019 involved an opioid. Santa Barbara is no exception to this national crisis. Well, the biggest uh, concerning trend is the fact that we are seeing um, a steadily escalating and indeed surging number of people that are dying from drug overdoses. And the majority of those overdoses are related in one way or another to fentanyl and uh, either as an exclusive drug or as a a polydrug combination that involves fentanyl as well. That's Sheriff Brown of the Santa Barbara County Police Department. He's observed a concerning rise in numbers with opioid-related deaths in the Santa Barbara community. When I first became sheriff, every year in our county, we would have somewhere in the high 50s to low 60s, maybe, in terms of the number of people that would die of overdose death. That's countywide in all jurisdictions. And then um, in the recent few years, we started to see a steady escalation of those numbers. In uh, 2017, we had 74 deaths as a result of overdose. 2018, it went up to 85. In 2019, it was 96. 2020, it was 114. And last year, 2021, it was 133. So far this year, uh, year to date through the end of June, which is halfway through the year, we have had 91 deaths. So if that rate continues through the rest of the year, we're on course to have 180 or so people die. Angie Bryan is a marriage family therapist and works for UCSB Student Health Services as manager of the recovery program Gauchos for Recovery, as well as the overdose prevention and response program. She talked to me about how fentanyl has become a key player in the opioid crisis. So fentanyl is an opioid. It's a synthetic opioid. Um, So it's similar to, you know, other opioids like heroin or morphine, but it's a lot more potent, um, like 50 to 100 times more potent. It is a prescription drug that is used in hospital settings for people with like severe pain after surgery, during childbirth, things like that. But what we're seeing right now in terms of the Fentanyl crisis is um, basically it's, you know, illicitly manufactured and put into other substances without the user being aware that there's fentanyl in what they're taking. So that's the thing that is causing overdoses. So basically someone thinks that they're doing cocaine um, or MDMA, methamphetamine, um, but in the manufacturing process, uh, the synthetic fentanyl is often added into it. Um, And the reason why they might do that is because it takes so much less to produce a high with the fentanyl. And so it's cheaper. It's a cheaper option for 
the people who are making these drugs. So um, it's a central nervous system depressant like other opioids. So it slows down all the processes in your brain, slows down breathing, heart rate, all that kind of stuff. Are there any other common drugs fentanyl could be found in? Um, well, I think it can be found in just about anything and Perfect. has been. Um, so it usually comes in like, it's like a powder form, but it can also be liquid. Um, so it really could be in just about anything. Typically, like if somebody is thinking they're taking Oxycontin, but not something they got as a prescription or from a doctor, you know, but they're getting it from a dealer, they're ordering it online. They think it's, you know, a certain type of opioid and then it has fentanyl in it, which is, you know, hundred times stronger than what they're anticipating or yeah, like cocaine, um, MDMA, things that come in powder form. It could definitely be in any of those. Sheriff Brown also discussed the difficulty in differentiating between which pills are trustworthy or not. Um, the problem also with these pills is that they're made typically in, in what are called super labs in Mexico. Um, and fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, unlike heroin that's produced from um, a plant, from poppies. This, um, this drug is, is made from chemicals and it is then put into a, uh, a uh, region that is uh, produced, it's pressed into pills. And those pills are made, they're colored and they're made to look in false molds to make it look like they're legitimate prescription pills. So the pills that come out of those labs look like either an Oxycontin or a Percocet or a Adderall, uh, some kind of a pill that is a legitimately produced opioid. And people take them on occasion thinking that that's what they actually are, a bonafide drug manufactured in a, in a, uh, in a clinical setting that is quality controlled and quality controlled for dosage. Whereas in these super labs in Mexico, this, the, the amount of fentanyl in each pill is not consistent. And so you can end up with a, a, a medium dose, a small dose or a very large dose of fentanyl in a pill from the same sort of batch. And if it's large enough, that pill can actually be a, a fatal, dose of the drug and so someone and we have had instances in this county where people have taken a pill thinking that i was going to do something for my headache and it's killed them angie bryan told me about some important resources offered by ucsb to students and non-students who find themselves or someone near them at risk of an overdose this is something that's happening in our community and we always want to give students as much information as possible to keep themselves safe there are a couple of different resources available to combat the crisis. Narcan, fentanyl test strips, and the UCSB Responsible Action Protocol are a few. Narcan, or naloxone, is a crucial tool that can reverse an overdose. So naloxone is the name for the medication itself. Narcan is a branding for the nasal spray because naloxone also comes in an injectable form. Um, so basically it's um, an opioid agonist. So what it does is it blocks the effects of an opioid temporarily. So when you give the person the nasal spray, it basically like creates a barrier between the opioid and the opioid receptor. 
So it can reverse the opioid. So it helps the person's heart rate to return to normal. It lets them breathe. So it lasts 30 to 60 minutes, the effects of it, which means that, you know, if the opioids are still floating around in the brain, then once the naloxone wears off, they can reattach the receptor and cause resedation. So that's why, you know, when somebody does administer Narcan that we suggest that they also call paramedics at the same time, um, because the person may become resedated or sometimes people become agitated um, when you use naloxone because they are basically like revived, you know, very quickly. Um, it puts them kind of into a withdrawal state right away. Um, so emergency response is really important, um, but the naloxone is important too because it works in those first few minutes, which are really a critical time if somebody has overdosed. And it is really easy to use and basically like made so that people who aren't medical professionals can use it. So, um, you know, we through Gouchens for Recovery offer train, we train everybody that we give it to how to use it. It's just how you might prevent an overdose. What are the signs? How do you know when to intervene? So the naloxone only works on opioids. So if somebody is overdosing on something else, it's not harmful to use the Narcan. Um, it just doesn't do anything. You know, that's another reason why it's good to call paramedics because you don't, if you don't know exactly what they did, but it's not harmful. So better safe than sorry if you have it to use it in a situation where you're unsure. She also told me about how fentanyl test strips can be used to check drugs for fentanyl. Basically, they're they're designed for testing for fentanyl in urine. They're not actually designed for testing drugs, um, but that's they can be used for that purpose. They are not a foolproof method. So when you use it, we give out pretty you know detailed instructions we get from dancesafe.org, which is another place where you can actually purchase the fentanyl test strips yourself if you wanted to buy them. And they have really detailed instructions because depending on the type of substance that you're using, you have to test a certain amount and you have to dilute it in water. Um, and so it's only going to, the strip is only going to detect whether there's fentanyl and that what you tested. So let's say you have like a, a bar that you think is Xanax and you take a scraping like off the quarter or something, you dilute that with water, you test it. There's no fentanyl in that but there's no quality control in the manufacture of these pills. So if there's a pressed pill, half of it on one side could be fentanyl. So like it only can indicate whether there's fentanyl in the actual part that you test, but it's still useful to have. And also, you know, one of the things that we're thinking about doing is having a system where people can make anonymous reports if they do get a positive result on a fentanyl test so that we can put that information out there. Like, let's say we get a few reports in a week or something, you know, that because sometimes what happens is a new like shipment of something will come into to town, you know, where there's a cluster of positive fentanyl tests or a cluster of overdoses. Usually that means something's coming in that like has a higher concentration of fentanyl. So that's really important for students to be aware of. Okay, so for naloxone and fentanyl strips, where could a yeah. student pick those up? Yeah, so we have overdose prevention interns through Gauchos for Recovery. So their students specifically, their job is to um, distribute those two items that are overdose prevention kits and to train people. Um, so during fall, you know, we'll have regular distribution hours, which we advertise um, on our website and through our Instagram, um, Gauchos for Recovery. Usually we set up outside in Barcadero Hall, which is our office. Um, at certain times and people can come by and get it. 
Um, they can also email ucsbgfr at gmail.com to request it. So um, if they can't come during the times or right now we don't have regular times because it's summer and the interns are not here. Um, so we can arrange a time for them to come pick it up. Um, or if that doesn't work out, we also can do delivery. So we'll drop it off on the person's porch in a brown bag, you know, with just their first name on it. Um, and we send a video that has training information on it. It's all free, confidential. We don't keep records of information of anybody who asks for it. We just keep numbers, you know, so we give, we track how many kits we give out, but that's it. So they don't have to be a student to get it. You know, if somebody requests it, we'll give it to them. I also asked Angie about the UCSB Responsible Action Protocol. She talked to me about its similarities to the Good Samaritan laws and how it protects students who contact emergency services in the case of an overdose. Okay, sounds good. So could you tell me about the UCSB Responsible Action Protocol? Because that might be something students aren't broadly aware of. What I am really familiar with is the Good Samaritan laws. Um, which is different than what you're talking about, but so it basically protects people from um, being charged with possession or being under the influence. So let's say, you know, somebody is overdosing, you call 911, um, IV Foot Patrol shows up or UCPD because they're the closest and they all carry naloxone. Um, we provide it to, to them. So they might be the first ones available to get there. Um, and so they might show up first, right? Um, and so they cannot legally, you know, pursue any charges for being under the influence or possession of substances. So their primary focus is on treating the person who has overdosed and safety. So that doesn't protect against like felony level things. So it's only misdemeanor. If somebody had like high quantities of drugs around that maybe gave the impression of selling out of their apartment or something like that then that's something that they would have to investigate. Um, but just simple possession or being under the influence, they don't. So that's important to keep in mind because I know that, you know, people may be concerned about calling law enforcement and, you know, understandably so. So the responsible action protocol is specifically for campus property. Ms. Brian read me what the protocol stated in the UCSB Student Code of Conduct, which says that in cases where students call for help in a medical, alcohol, or drug-related emergency, the student's disciplinary response for alcohol and drug violations will, quote, only consist of educational meetings and or programs, end quote, barring exceptional circumstances. The incidents can be considered on a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, I can only speak to what I am aware of because I'm not part of student conduct, but you know, essentially the idea is similar to the Good Samaritan laws that the university is concerned about student safety and wants to encourage people to call for help when an emergency situation happens. And so that their primary goal will be to keep students safe um, and refer them basically to support services. Sheriff Brown talked to me about Project Opioid, a project police departments across the country have been in discussions about to combat the opioid epidemic. The idea was initially implemented in Seminole County in Florida, which Sheriff Brown told me had a huge opioid problem with inadequate resources to combat the issue. The idea behind the project was to bring community leaders from a variety of different disciplines to address different sides of the crisis effectively. The project was officially launched in Santa Barbara County on May 18, 2022. Some of the community leaders involved include City of Lompoc Mayor Janelle Osborne, Dr. Paul Erickson of Cottage Hospital and Assistant District Attorney John Savernach. 
Sheriff Brown talked to me about the goals Project Opioid is hoping to achieve following the launch. So we, we, uh, we worked with Dr. Kendall Cordelieu from uh, the University of Central Florida. And we took uh, all of the stats from uh, our county and some stats from the state, and uh, she massaged those into um, a report. The first thing that we already did was to publicly launch the, the project and to release the report. And, and we're working on doing a variety of different things that will be part of our overall plan. One of those is to expand the um, availability and the distribution of Narcan. We want to get to the point where this drug is uh, made available to anyone and everyone that wants it. I want to see uh, every public building in Santa Barbara County have a, you know, a fire extinguisher, an automated external defibrillator, and a box that has a dose of Narcan. We uh, will also be expanding our education campaign to community members and young people to focus on the dangers of fentanyl. We want to uh, continue to coordinate and collaborate with our local and our federal law enforcement partners as we step up the enforcement of um, drug laws and uh, uh, step that up on uh, narcotics dealers who are peddling fentanyl in our community. And we want to enhance the awareness of a huge variety of treatment programs that are in existence in our county. And then we're also planning to follow up with victims of near miss overdoses, if you will, uh, who might be outside the hospital environment. And then we want to do a very visible campaign that involves, you know, posters. There's another campaign that the Drug Enforcement Administration has put out also, and that is One Pill Can Kill. Taking one of these pills, letting people know, can kill you. And, uh, you know, don't risk it. It's not worth it. Stay safe, Gauchos, and remember to take advantage of the resources offered at UCSB if needed. Visit the UCSB Alcohol and Drug website at adp.sa.ucsb.edu for more information on the services provided. With KCSB News, I'm Zoha Malik.